0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice of the Naval Academy. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Pete, good morning. Gentlemen, good morning. Thanks for having me. So did you have an idea this was coming? Did this surprise you a little bit? How quickly did all of this come together with BYU and Navy playing on Labor Day in primetime on ESPN?
1: Uh, I think it came together really fast, to be honest with you, because um, Notre Dame was never really out until the Atlantic Coast Conference released the official schedule uh, because of the longest intersectional rivalry in college football at 93 games. Uh, I think every effort was made to try and preserve this year's game. Unfortunately, uh, the rules that uh, Notre Dame agreed to live by with the Atlantic Coast Conference this year as a conference member uh, pretty much precluded that uh, from happening. So, uh, therefore, uh, the Mids had to uh, look quickly. And, I mean, I don't think there's any question right now. If you need a football opponent, all you have to do is look to the ranks of the independents because a lot of those teams have lost games so far. And uh, this was a natural uh, because of BYU's uh, national profile, and uh, that's, uh, you know, that's what Navy aspires to do. They aspire to play people with national profile. So if you're going to replace uh, Notre Dame, who is as high profile as it gets, you might as well go get somebody who has an equally uh, high profile nationally, and that's BYU, and it's worked out obviously for both sides because the Mids will eventually make a return trip uh, to Provo as well.
2: Yeah, I know people out this way are excited about that game. Obviously, Niamatololo has a religious connection to what the the sponsoring institution of BYU, we know he interviewed several years ago. So there is somewhat of a local connection. Joe Dupay, whose father was a legendary high school coach, in the Salt Lake area, is on the staff again after having a brief time at BYU. So there's a lot of connections that make this game obvious. When we get to the game, you know, it's about winning the game. Hopefully we do get to the game, obviously. And you look at Navy, man, what a turnaround from 18 to 19 season. You know, I look at it a couple of things. For me, defensively, they weren't that good in 18. and In 19, under a new defensive coordinator, they were just simply just a lot better. And then, of course, you have – Malcolm Perry, who was just unbelievable. I mean, he, the, the, the year that he put up last season was just incredible. Uh, so it brings to mind, I can list you, uh, one, two, three, four, I'm looking at a story right now, five candidates to be the quarterback with Perry Olsen looking like he might be the leader. What do you see happening there? Well, I, I
1: think clearly because of the pandemic and the lack of normal work for all college football teams, the one thing that Perry has is experience, and as a freshman, the coaching staff thought enough of him to make him the number two guy. And in South Bend, Indiana, went right down the field two consecutive possessions against Notre Dame, um, and executed two near perfect drives that resulted uh, in touchdowns uh, for the Mids in South Bend against Notre Dame. So, I think the one thing that if you if you look back through the history, when Paul Johnson took over here. Uh, back in uh, 2002, and brought in the staff that he did. Obviously, Ivan Jasper uh, has been the one constant as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. I I, I do not believe there's a better quarterbacks coach in this country than Ivan Jasper, and I know there are some people that would pigeonhole it into the triple option, but I believe Ivan could coach that position for any program in America and get the best out of your player. There's no one better at developing players. Look at the long run. The mids just don't have consecutive losing seasons and that's why 18 was more of a outlier um, than anything and you know it, it's because of Ivan's tutelage uh, of those quarterbacks so Perry showed a lot he's a tough guy he was a high school wrestler in Oklahoma if you're a high school wrestler in Oklahoma uh, you're a tough hombre because you don't have the kind of success he did in that sport in that state uh, if you're not so he's a terrific athlete um, obviously a different dynamic at the position um, than Malcolm Perry brought. Uh, Malcolm brought a gifted skill set that the Miami Dolphins thought enough of uh, to draft him in the seventh round. But at the same time, if you go back and look through the entire triple option era here at Navy, there's never been back-to-back losing seasons. And the big reason is uh, because Ivan Jasper has always had that next quarterback ready to go.
0: The quarterback's only as good as the offensive line, and there's a couple starters back, but you got Navy's got to rebuild there. BYU getting him in the opener. How vulnerable do you think that offensive line will be for Navy?
1: Again, history. Look, I mean, you know, history tells you if you're a consistent winning program, it's because the next guy is always ready to step up and play. Obviously, we lose a huge, uh, a huge guy in the middle of that offensive line in Ford Higgins, who's a tremendous athlete, a guy that uh, also finished his uh, last campaign on the lacrosse team here at the Naval Academy because uh, he's a great athlete. Uh, and was a great leader on that offensive line. But one side of it completely comes back. Justin Self, who takes over at center, is equally uh, as talented, maybe a little bit, obviously a bigger guy uh, as well at the center position. And, you know, uh, again, it's a it's a case of, you know, the, the next guys are all always ready uh, to step up. And those guys on the right side are going to have to, um, you know, certainly earn their keep and show that they're ready to play. Um, But there's no question that, uh, you know, every year again, the next guy's ready to step up. And uh, I believe Ashley Ingram will have uh, his guys ready uh, to step up uh, and ready to play on opening night. Now, look, I mean, BYU's got a couple of really good guys up front. And that's, you know, that's a a different kind of animal. But, I mean, we've played against the likes of Ed Oliver, uh, you know, who's a first-round pick. Uh, of the Buffalo Bills, and, and we've played against guys like Aaron Donald. I mean, you go back and put the film on, and what they did to Aaron Donald, uh, who's as good of athlete as anybody we've ever played against, and you know we scored forty-four points against Pitt. So yeah, you know, it's, it's you know you, you've, you've had a, you've had success against some of the best players on defense, and that's because our offensive line um, is al- is always ready to go.
2: In this offense, the fullback takes on a far more uh, important role than a lot of teams that didn't even use fullbacks. And the midshipmen got two pretty good fullbacks that they can count on, as I understand it. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Jamal Carruthers and Nelson Smith, both guys, um, you know, fabulous players. Uh, obviously, Jamal's a great story. I mean, it was a guy that was so buried on the depth chart just because of a lack of opportunity. He finally gets an opportunity in practice, and coaches kept saying, oh, wow, look at this guy. You know, this is, this is the only guy on the field that seems to resemble the quickness of Malcolm Perry, an explosion of Malcolm Perry. And, you know, it wasn't as if Nelson Smith did anything uh, to lose the position. It was more a case last year of Jamel just continued uh, to excel at the position at the kind of rate that it enabled Navy to have essentially a 1 and 1A at the position. And obviously the fullback, as you mentioned, in the offense – Um, is responsible for so many things. Sometimes, you know, he's a guy that takes a a huge amount of hits per game, uh, sometimes without carrying the ball. It's all predicated on what the defense does. And, uh, you know, against us, teams either decide to take away the quarterback, the fullback, or the pitch. And uh, when they don't take away the fullback, uh, Jamel and Nelson are both uh, gifted players uh, in that offense and have been very, very productive for us here uh, at the Naval Academy so far.
0: Defensively, it looks like you've got a, uh, a lot of guys coming back at the Naval Academy. Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice of the Naval Academy, joining us with BYU and Navy playing on, on Labor Day. And I'm, I'm curious, though, that there were some transfers rumored, and then at least one guy went through, maybe more did. I, I assume it's a similar rule of the same rule as Air Force, where after your sophomore year, you're committed to service, which would impact a potential NFL career. So is this... I mean, the transfer portal is an issue for everybody, but is, is this a particularly big issue for Navy?
1: I think, you know, um, every kid has to figure out, and the great thing about the Naval Academy is they give you two full years here to determine whether this is the path that you want to go down. Is, is this truly what you want to commit to? Um, because it is, it's is—it's quite a commitment. I mean, after your sophomore year, you have to commit uh, to essentially uh, five years upon graduation. So they call it the two-for-seven uh, you know, here in Annapolis, and it's a big commitment. So they give you the opportunity um, to, to get out after two years if you don't feel that uh, a military career uh, is for you. Now, obviously, you know, when you lose, um, you know, players after that, um, you know, there are the circumstances that come into play, and, you know, you wish those you know, young people well uh, down the line. The good news is a couple that were rumored are coming back essentially Uh, One significant player from a production standpoint last year on defense is not coming back. But uh, as you mentioned, there are nine guys that are coming back who had significant playing time uh, for this defense, which in year one under Brian Newberry uh, was remarkable. You look at the statistical turnaround of our defense uh, under Brian Newberry this past year. It was extraordinary what we were able to do. We face some of the best offenses in the country, just in our own league and for our defense to rise to the occasion uh, the way they did uh, was absolutely phenomenal in year one. And the, the thing about it is, is the entire season they were learning what coach Newberry wanted them to do. And he was learning on the go about how much more he could give certain players at certain positions. So year two, and the players have talked about this already. One of our outstanding quarters, Cameron Kinley, has already talked about this. Is just how much further they're going to be along now in year two under Coach Newberry and some of the things uh, that they're going to be able to do. Uh, Brian just turned out to be, you know, I mean, everybody that had talked about him, you know, leading up, that Coach talked to and people that you talked to around college football who had been around him had said, this guy's going to be a, a terrific coach for you. Um, but you never know until you actually see the results on the field and the results of our defense last year. And with the guys we have coming back, um, really, really high expectations uh, this year. I think defensively we've got one of the best linebackers in the country in Diego Fago. Uh, and that, that young fellow's got high-level ability. And I would not be surprised when all is said and done and he's done with his career at Navy. Um, he will be like Malcolm Perry and an NFL team. uh will uh, we'll draft him. Uh, somewhere in the first seven rounds.
2: Yeah, I was listening to Coach Did They put it on – well, he did a Zoom call, and then they put it online. I saw it later online. He spoke for 40 minutes, and he really felt that Diego – was as good as anybody in the league and would be an NFL candidate. And he really praised, he echoed what you said about Coach Newberry. He said that he didn't even feel like Coach Newberry installed all of his stuff. He said he installed a lot of it, but he didn't install uh, all of it. So... When you look at this defense, the numbers that they had from 18 to 19, I mean, they just got so much better. It's hard to imagine that they can make another improvement, but do you expect them to make another significant leap defensively this year? Statistically, I don't know how
1: significant it can be just because of the amount of improvement from 18 to 19, but uh, the thing you look for now is consistency. Can you do that? Over four quarters of a game, we had some moments in a game against Memphis in the second half last year where things kind of broke down uh, a little bit. But and against Notre Dame where things broke down a little bit. But the question now is is can you can you make that effort as consistent over four quarters as you showed in a lot of spots? There was a lot of flash last year uh, on that defense, and and now what you're trying to do uh, is make it even more consistent. And I think that's the the message from from Brian Newberry, and it's the message from the players that we've heard from already, is they want to make sure that they are uh, much more consistent now uh, in what they're doing out there on the field. They want to make sure that there aren't any mistakes. They don't want any breakdowns. They strive uh, for perfection. Uh, And that's the thing last year, that even while they were improving, the players consistently told you, yes, we're improving, but there are things that we can do better. And that's the thing that I love about the kids at the Naval Academy, is they understand there's perspective on everything. Yeah, they understand. It's not we're not going to celebrate. Uh, you know what we did last week beyond you know maybe Sunday. Once Monday comes, we've got to get back to it, and we've got to figure out. Okay, what do we have to do better this week? What are some things that I did last week that you know caused teams to allow uh, yardage that I can do better uh, this week? So I think that's the beauty in preparation uh, of our kids and our coaches is. They always keep proper perspective, and from week to week, they're able to compartmentalize the good and, and look at what happened and, and say, this is we have to continue to do this. And then they're able to compartmentalize the negative and say, okay, I can take a better angle here. I've got to have better footwork here. I can't let the guy have an inside release here, stuff like that. They understand the details and the things that they've got to do uh, to be better football players. They're able to put last week behind them and move ahead to the next week and that's what good football programs do you win a lot of games uh when you're able to compartmentalize both the good and the bad because as we all know football is a humbling game you're only good uh, as the next play uh, in many cases or the next week uh in what the navy plays a very challenging schedule and uh, the american athletic conference prepares you for that uh each and every week
0: so They've had Navy in the last five years, in the five years they've been in the American, the independent before that, Navy's had a couple of 11-2 seasons. They've also had seven- and nine-win seasons, and they had that three-win disaster. Where are the expectations for this team, assuming they get to play 12 games, which I know is a big assumption to make right now, but if they got to play 12 games, they have 11 scheduled right now? They're still looking for one more?
1: I think we're going to play 11. I we're think gonna play that's going to be the number. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be the number. I mean, the, the one open date that we have was against an FCS team, and trying to trying to get somebody now basically within three or four weeks uh, and get all that to, to match up is you know probably a little difficult at this point, which is understandable. So uh, I think they're going to be comfortable going ahead uh, with 11 games. The expectations here are always the same. I mean, it's obviously uh, beat Army, win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, win the American Athletic Conference, uh, as well. I mean, those, those goals never change here uh, at the Naval Academy. When they're not achieved, um, you know, there, there's bad taste and there's bitter taste in their mouth uh, because uh, that's what they strive for each and every year. And I think there's a perception, and we've, we have fought this perception throughout the entire uh, triple option era, uh, even despite all the success that we've had. I mean, you look back in years past and, um, you know, over a 30-year period, Navy would have a winning season here and there. But now you look at what has occurred under Paul Johnson and Kenya Matalolo, and you, you look at the unprecedented level of success that the Naval Academy has had. Naval Academy is always in the top 20 or 25 uh, teams for most wins uh, over the last 10, 15, 20 years, however many, however many years you want to break it down, um, because there is a consistent expectation of performance here at the Naval Academy. There's a philosophy that works, and the coaches don't waver from that uh, philosophy. The players that they recruit are recruited for that philosophy of excellence. And when you strive for excellence in everything that you do and you have the consistency that Kenny Amatololo has had amongst his coaching staff uh, through the years and uh, the level of uh, performance by the program, the kids that get recruited to come here they understand before they ever get here what the expectations are. The players that are currently here do a great job of establishing that from day one when the freshmen come in. Uh, when the plebes arrive, they know how the work gets done each and every day. There's always been tremendous leadership here uh, on the field. And Kenya Amatololo is a guy that allows his players to lead. And, you know, they, they talk – the coaches talk with the, the captains and the other senior leaders and things of that nature. But the kids here have done the best job of policing the locker room because ultimately, if your players are not policing your own locker room, you're not going to have consistent success. And if you have to, you have, to have players that buy in, that they don't want to let their brother down out on the field out there. Uh, because if your players aren't policing the locker room, you're not going to have a, a consistent winning program because um, there's no accountability at that point. I mean, coach can sit up there and the, you, you can have coaches a coach from a tower. You can have coaches a coach on the field and, and things of that nature. But the coach can only do so much. So many words can come out of their mouth and things of that nature. If your players aren't holding each other accountable, then you're not going to be a consistent winner. That has been the one thing here. The leadership has been consistent. It's an institution that preaches leadership and leadership training, and that's why those players hold each other accountable because they don't want to let each other down, and that's why they've won so many football games uh, through the years. Um, and uh, there's, I don't think there's any question in the country, Kenny Amonalo is the best coach in the American Athletic Conference, and when you want to break down coaches nationally, he's one of the best in the country, period, because this is a guy that you know, year in and year out, has never wavered on who he is, strong in his faith, consistent in his message, and you know, he preaches the same things. But at the same time, he never takes himself, for lack of a better term, too seriously. He's a guy that tells his coaches, go home on Sundays, please. Be a, be a father, be a husband, be a family man. Uh, take that time because I believe we're strong enough as a group that we can get this done you know, over the other six days during the course of the season. Our practice is Monday through Wednesday, um, obviously non-pandemic. and Anybody can walk in. If you can get on the Naval Academy, you can come watch our practice, the whole thing, um, all two hours, uh, each and every Monday through Wednesday. I mean, it's not as if we're talking trade secrets here. Everybody has the same film on everybody. So it's the unprecedented access that we get to our program through Coach Lolo and the trust that, that obviously those of us locally who uh, cover the team uh, build up with him. But it's because of the great message that has always been consistent with him. And I think that's what makes him one of the best coaches in the country and why the young men who play for him, you'll see the hashtag on many of their uh, Twitter feeds called Men of Ken because they enjoy and respect playing for him so much and that's why they give the kind of effort they do that equals a lot of wins here uh, with our football program.
0: Pete, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, getting us up to speed a little bit on the Naval Academy.
1: Guys, appreciate it. Thank you.